welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This edition of Seller Talks, Season 2, Episode 3, was broadcasted on Friday the 19th of February 2021. In this episode we welcome Andreas Hutwol from Weingut von Winning. In the show we talk about this great German winery, their excellent wines and the beautiful German Pfalz region. We also tasted one of von Winning's Premier Cru Rieslings, the 2019 Rupertsberger Reitervaat. Halleluja! This is Hallelujah. better, huh? Yeah, crazy. It's you know, technology, I, yeah? It's, uh, <laughs> I saw you guys are pretty active at the moment with the live sessions because not only you, I think uh, uh, some of your colleagues uh, also did some sessions. Um, it's possible, you know. I mean, it's the it's the means that we have right now, and if there are yeah. uh, if there are requests and if people would like to chat with us, we're happy to you, do it. You're available, <laughs> of course. Very good. Course. Well, I'm I'm happy that you're here because um, we met last summer uh, when I was uh, touring around uh, Germany, trying the different Rieslings, uh, amongst other wines, but uh, a lot of Rieslings. And um, at some point, I ended up in the Falls and in Deidesheim, and uh, I was uh, amazed by not only the winery but also your knowledge. Um, so it was a pleasure for me to invite you to be in the show today and to talk a little thank bit you. about yourself and the winery and the wines and the vineyards that you have. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you I'm very glad much. That you could make it. I remember the visit very well. Uh, what feels you like gave the me good all the wines. Time. Yeah, feels like the good old times huh? when um, <laughs> we were able to sit in the courtyard uh, already then with uh, it was last year, right? It was August, yeah, yeah. Last yeah, year, already yeah. then we kept we kept our distances and complied with all rules yeah. which were in place back then. But still, we could be together and taste wine together and and talk. As it should um, be, yeah, yeah. So very nice. Un- and, unfortunate, uh, unfortunate is not possible now. But at the moment, we have this, so we try to make the best out of it. Cheers and to that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll cheers to that as well. Yeah. So we're going to talk uh, and tell everybody what we're uh, going to taste today. I already posted it earlier today. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people might have seen already that we're going to go for the Reitervat. Uh, I think you have a lot of nice names, but this is one of the nicest names maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're going to save that for later on in the show. But first, uh, maybe a little introduction for yourself, uh, your background and what you're doing at uh, Von Winning. Yeah. So, yeah, Andreas Hütvoll is my name. I'm um, uh, a trained uh, apprentice in, um, I'm an apprentice winemaker and afterwards uh, studied viticulture and enology in uh, Geisenheim, Germany. Back then, the only university in Germany where you could do that. And also a year of studies I did in, in Udine in Friuli. And pretty much, and, and in the meantime, of course, as it is, um, I worked um, uh, in wineries in Italy, I worked in Australia, I've been to New Zealand, uh, done many things, but spent quite some time in Italy as well. And then uh, when I came back uh, to Germany, came to von Winning straight away. I was in the beginning much more in the cellar. Um, I am 
Stefan Atman's right hand, so to say. He is the, uh, the general manager, winemaker himself. Uh, since uh, 2007, I'm here since 2010 um, as his right hand, as I said in the beginning, much more in the cellar. But now I'm also in charge of uh, the export. Uh, so I'm the one who in the normal world is, uh, is traveling a fair amount and uh, <laughs> talking about the wines, our wines, showing them um, to people all over the place. Right now I'm So, so 10 years already side by side with Stefan. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, uh, in. Yeah, I started with Harvest uh, 2010, mm -hmm. so it's okay. um, almost ten and a half years now ah, that I'm that I'm good. here. Well, mm -hmm. I always like it when people have. Uh, obviously, when we go to you go to a tasting, you you get all sorts of uh, people that uh, uh, serve you the wine because sometimes it's a family winery which is very small, and then you have the one person who does everything. Sometimes you have somebody who's responsible for sales. Sometimes it's just uh, somebody helping out in the weekends. But sometimes it's also you're lucky, and then you have somebody who actually knows the vineyards and knows the winemaking process. So I was fortunate in this matter, and as you said, you're a trained winemaker. So um, yeah, really good to have all this in-depth knowledge today. Yeah. yeah. So well, I'm always um, uh, during harvest. I do do my share in the in the vineyards, but it, uh, in, in the cellar mostly. But admittedly, uh, with the years being in charge of the exports, this field has become uh, bigger and bigger for me. So I'm, uh, but I'm still hands on um, very good. all the time. That's very good. So um, before we go into the history of von Winning, because it's a very interesting history with a lot of turns left and right, uh, I would say, um, I try to show always the audience some, uh, I always show some pictures if I can, but I also try to show a map and it's always the question, uh, how good does it show? Because it's a small size, but here we see Germany. Mm -hmm. And if we just look at the colors, because on the small phones, that's always the easiest thing to do. You will see that uh, for the people, the dark purple uh, falls, uh, if you are on the, let's say, left-hand side, a little bit down the middle. That's where we are right now. This is the region we're talking about. And then we're in Deidesheim, which is one of the important towns and centers of the, uh, the winemaking area of the falls, right? Yeah, you can surely, surely say that because it's also um let's say the the touristic hotspots a little bit as well and cul culinary uh, hotspot as well of um of the area of course the pfalz is a is an is an old and classic region where viticulture grew alongside uh, great uh, restaurants and gastronomic scene so you find uh, fantastic restaurants all over the place but i would say the density of uh, great restaurants in, in Deidesheim is pretty high, combined with um, outstanding vineyard sites in, in, in Deidesheim and Forst, the next village north, Ruppertsberg, the next village south. Yeah. That's where we uh, have a wine from today. But uh, maybe as we see the map, I can talk a little bit about the Pfalz. Yeah, let, let's do that because this mm -hmm. is a little bit of the zoom in pictures. I have some pictures of the, the sites later, but let's save that. But if yeah. you want to introduce a little bit the geographical, or let's say, surroundings of the falls and, and what we're in general looking at at the moment. Yeah. By the way, I watched the earlier episode um, of, of your cellar talk as well. Have you figured out how to uh, 
become a full let's try immune. let's try i hope <laughs> because it's always with the updates so yeah you see people are not here for me i always say they're for the wine but it's yeah. nice that i can be in the screen yeah. again i saw <laughs> when you were not able to return we're struggling but, sometimes yeah. but we always <laughs> no, try to fine. come on top yes uh, so the Pfalz, uh, southwest Germany, you have seen it on the picture, was situated in the Rhine Valley Rift, which was uh, created about 50 million years ago due to Africa, uh, Africa tectonically pushing into Europe. Um, 50 million years ago, the, the Italian thorn was pushed into Europe. The Alp Mountains were folding up and the Rhine Valley broke. And in that process, two lines of foothills of, of mountains were going up. Mm -hmm. In the West, when you see that purple, uh, right on the border of that purple, on the left-hand side border, is, um, are the Hart Mountains becoming the Vokes as you cross the border yeah. with Alsace, which is right down there, where actually where, you, where it's written Pfalz. This is already uh, France. Yeah. Um, and so the, gray, the, gray, the gray area is France. Exactly, huh? yeah. exactly. And then uh, you see on the map also the River Rhine, which is like 20 kilometers um, to um, uh, the east of us. And yep. then on the other side of the, of the river is the um, Odenwald becoming the Black Forest further south. And in the middle, you have a warm and sheltered area. It's, um, it's, a, it's a warm um, area for German standards. Obviously, we are on the northern border of um, the classic European wine regions. And I would say Germany is surely the mother of uh, cool climates somehow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's still cool climate, but for German standards, it's, it's rather warm, sheltered, nice um, area, a fertile area where a lot of things grow, not only wine on the slope of the hard mountains, but also towards the river, you have a lot of agricultural produce like uh, Everything, everything. Asparagus. You actually onions. also have to, um, um, if we talk about uh, the soil type, so you talked about how it originated long, long ago. But uh, sometimes people uh, say uh, um, the false or maybe the forced area is more like the Pouli Montcachet from uh, Germany. But I mean, it's a hard comparison. But if you look at yeah, the... It's hard comparison. If you look at the bottom, then there are some similarities. Obviously, what you we will go into that when we talk about the vineyards. Mm -hmm. But that's really, uh, uh, yeah, uh, characteristics that you can use in your winemaking, grape growing. Sure. Um, first of all, you see the basis of our soils is right behind me. This is 250 million year old sandstone, mm -hmm. um, which is the basis of, of all the vineyards um, and uh, also the, the forest above. Uh, yep. There are old quarries there where the Romans already um, took um, sandstone blocks to build their, their manors because, you know, like, yeah, pre great, hey, fantastically prepared. prepared huh? <laughs> uh, this is in Neustadt. Uh, this is from the, your Instagram, by the way, yes, as you recognize, yeah, probably. Absolutely. I took that picture. Um, it's, uh, it's in Neustadt. Um, it's an active quarry. They, uh, they cut fresh blocks for uh, all kinds of things. I mean, a lot of uh, buildings and walls and so forth are, are built with sandstone. It's, it's beautiful. 250 million years old. Um, and yeah, Romans did that already. Who brought vines here? Like to all places in Europe pretty mm -hmm. much uh, or to yep. many places in, uh, in Europe. Uh, settled here on the slopes of the Hart Mountains, started growing uh, vines, uh, made wine. There is actually, I live in Bad Dürkheim in, in the village Ungstein, which belongs, belongs to Bad Dürkheim. 
-hmm. And so there is an old uh, Roman manor with the winery where they um, did excavations and uh, there is uh, the old press house and so forth. Where you can, which you can check out, which dates to about two or three hundred, um, Anno Domini three hundred something. So, okay, um, long, long history. Of course, afterwards it has been uh, Christian orders, monk orders, like the uh, Cistercian, uh, mostly the Cistercian and, and Jesuits, but mostly the Cistercians um, that um, developed, like in Burgundy, right? Uh, developed yeah. um, varieties further, picked where to. Um, plant the different varieties and laid the foundation for really modern winemaking, I would say. And then wineries, um, uh, private, private um, estates, like, uh, like also from Vinning um, that drove things those. further. I mean, we have a history. Um, we will, we'll talk about that later uh, a little bit, but uh, that goes back uh, to 1718. So there's really a long history in, in winemaking and wasting winemaking. Uh, but other varieties as well. But uh, yeah, long story short, Pfalz, warm for German standards, based on sandstone soil. In addition, there is a lot of limestone in mm -hmm. different parts. Actually, all of our soils are somehow limestone um, um, uh, influenced. Yeah. Uh, that you can see by, um, uh, by pH levels, which are alkaline in the soil everywhere, uh, everywhere above seven. Even though you don't find everywhere you don't find limestone rocks lying around like in the vineyards of Forst, like in the Unterheuer yeah. of Forst. That's maybe, you said, uh, Pyrene Morache. Um, there is um, there's yeah. a lot of limestone in Forst, but there's a bit of limestone everywhere. Uh, on top of this 250 million year old sandstone, there was an ocean in the Rhine Valley between 50 and 35 million years ago, subtropical climate and corals. That's yeah. today's limestone. And in Forst, there's also volcanic basalt, which makes yeah. things super interesting and even more salty and complex. Um, yeah, and what does that give you? I think a classical Riesling from, uh, from the Pfalz is due to the fact that it's a little bit warmer maybe than other areas. It's uh, aromatically ripe. There is a lot of mm -hmm. peaches, stone fruits. Uh, Already when they're really thing. young, right? So we yeah. have 2019 now, but normally if I taste the Riesling from, let's say, the Mosel, it's very different, obviously. But uh, young and old is already still a big difference. But here, when you open up a young vintage, you instantly already get this, uh, this influence, basically, yeah. in the smell. It's, uh, it's a lot of um, yeah, physiological ripeness, uh, phenolic ripeness, aromatical mm -hmm. ripeness. But at a point, and uh, that's very important, where... Uh, the sugar ripeness, so the the ripeness, the sugar ripeness of the grape is not through the roof, and the acidity is still a great backbone, because yeah. all the um, all the historic, historically relevant sites like um, the um, all the Premiers and all the Grand Crus are all on the slopes of the hard mountains, okay. where you have nice and warm days, um, but when the sun is setting behind the hard mountains, you have a shadow on the slopes in the afternoon. So a nice difference between warm days, but cool afternoons and cool nights, which is very important for um, elegance, for freshness, because you have good maintenance of acidity. You have um, great uh, expression and concentration of, of fine aromas. And that's the case here. Still, it's maybe a little bit more voluptuous and lush than uh, Rieslings from... Uh, from the Mosul, for example, yeah. you, you mentioned it, um, uh, which are maybe more filigrane, more um, more racy even. 
um, with the with the lower pH levels, and so yeah, a lot of raisiness. That's why um, residual sugar works so fantastically well in those wines. Um, um, but yeah, it's two different expressions of Riesling. It's two different uh, regions, and uh, I think the fascinating that's thing always, wine always about nice because a lot of people uh, are, who are not from Germany, especially, uh, are not so familiar maybe with Riesling and always have this one side one sided image. But if you look, there is uh, so many differences, um, even also between the the different styles of Riesling, but also in the regional uh, influences that you have. And this is maybe also a reason why you uh, obviously don't limit yourself to Riesling because we'll talk about that later, but there's a lot of French-style uh, wines, I would say, and uh, French grapes. So that works good hand-in-hand -hand in your in your company, basically. Yes. I mean, there is always, uh, you know, we are 50 kilometers away from the border with France, with Alsace, yeah. and historically, um, Pfalz and Alsace have been on and off Germany, France, Germany, France. Uh, mm -hmm. So you can say that here in the Rhine Valley uh, Rift, we have... Um, definitely an influence of uh, of french culture yeah. including including varieties which always had their uh, had um, had its home had their home here in in the area for example pinot noir is uh, is here since 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 hundreds and hundreds of years um, mm -hmm. as well as uh, pinot blanc chardonnay you find them also sauvignon blanc in uh, back in the days in small quantities maybe also not the uh, the typical um, uh, no, variety the typical of variety. Alsace, yeah. uh, but still you find it. And today uh, it's without a shadow of a doubt finds better conditions than ever before. But still the history and, and tradition of, of those varieties is there. The Pfalz has always been an area which was known for uh, its ab ab abundance of varieties because a lot of things um, grow here well and find great, great conditions, including red wines, for example. We have... Um, a ratio in the Pfalz of 65 white and 35 red. There's That's a un unbelievable of... for, mm -hmm. for uh, if you compare to a lot of other German regions. But I already have one question for you on that mm -hmm. matter, because you already said it, Pinot Noir. Uh, yes. It's a question that uh, I get asked quite a lot. And also sometimes I struggle myself to, to find an answer to that. But in Germany, we have Pinot Noir and we have Spätburgunder. Mm -hmm. And why do you uh, take the naming Pinot Noir? And why do you take the naming Spätburgunder? Can you explain mm -hmm. why you choose to, to do the yeah. Pinot Noir? So uh, Spätburgunder is the German synonym for Pinot Noir. Yeah. So it's the, it's the same variety and you can call it both. We um, label our... Pinot Noirs as Pinot Noir, because um, the heart, the, the heart of it, let's say, is um, you know there is, it's a, it's a very old variety, and there are different facets, different clones, you say, of this uh, mm -hmm. of this variety, and due to um, the fact that it's in Germany since hundreds of years, it originates from France. There are genetic origin that is comes from Germany. There is a genetic origin that comes rather from from France, from Burgundy. Yeah. And in uh, the in our high density plantings, where we have uh, almost uh, ten thousand vines per hectare, which is almost double the size of a normal vineyard today. Back in the yeah. days, there was even more. Actually, um, there we have planted um, like a selection massal of, of um, Burgundian clones. Actually, so um, it's um, yeah, the genetic origin is rather French, and and that's important for you to choose this. Also, the naming you want to. 
bring yeah, that back in the naming of the. Of we the wine. also have a we also have a um, a spätburgunder, uh, Doctor yep. Deinhard, where it's it's more uh, it's a very good way to distinguish it, yep. and um, and then secondly um, we are. Um, uh, we are by now uh, quite um, a fair amount of our wines is is sold uh, abroad, and yeah. um, Pinot Noir. I mean, the variety is called Pinot Noir, and yeah. everyone understands Pinot Noir um, in Germany as well as everywhere else. So uh, it's confusing second... for people in other countries if you name it Spätburgunder. Exactly, so that is the second reason. But the the first and foremost reason is the the genetical origin of the of the vines and the um, and the style. Style. You are, you have a, a already uh, you have a lot of fans, but already somebody is fan of uh, both the Pinot Noir and the Sauvignon Blanc, and um, cool. it's interesting because I always do some research and I try to see which picture, what kind of pictures there are from what winery on Instagram, and the Sauvignon Blanc label pops up quite a lot. Although it's uh, yeah. if you look at how many bottles you make of them, it's not it's the smaller uh, amount. I, I, I think it is. You know. Um... Of course, we make much more Riesling than Sauvignon Blanc, mm -hmm. but we have um, we have two estate Rieslings. We have yeah. two village Rieslings, two Ortsweine. We have six different Erste Lage wines, Premier Cru's. We have eight different Grand Cru's. So All there's a lot of Riesling, but there are many yeah. different labels. So if yeah. you if you add up all the pictures of Riesling labels from from Winning that you see, um, it's more sure, yeah. but um, we have only three Sauvignon Blancs, and um, so. But still uh, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, it's, it's still quite a lot. Yes, it's it's quite a lot, and they are um, all um, all different and very cool. Um, let's quickly try to find a them. German winery with three Sauvignon Blancs. It's not that oh, easy, no. I can tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe there are not many, but there are some. Hundred yeah. percent. There, there, there are several because Sauvignon Blanc finds very good conditions in. Um, in a um, yeah, in a in a climate that's getting that's getting a bit warmer, and uh, mm -hmm. that so it, the, it the climate change is helping that as well. Well, well let's for, talk more the about that later because yeah. there's a whole story about climate change yes. there. The uh, let's say the the aromatical ripeness and the, the juiciness of Sauvignon Blanc, um, it's it's less green, it's less grassy, um, benefits from warmer climate. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the conditions are favorable to Sauvignon Blanc these days. You can yeah. clearly say that. So um, let's go back to the history a, a mm -hmm. little bit because we skipped that part a little bit. And I'm going to show this picture what I was showing before. Because here we see, uh, tell us what we see here and tell us a little yeah. bit on how the estate became the estate as it is right now. Okay. So you see the, the main manor. You see the, you walk on the left, you walk into, um, into the courtyard, you walk in. Um, we have a nice restaurant now on the left-hand side, straight through the two buildings that you see on the left, uh, straight ahead, you end up in the tasting room. So this is really the, the winery. I told you we have a history that goes back to 1718, but the winery as it is today, by the way, I'm in the, uh, in the left down corner of this building mm -hmm. I'm sitting right now. <laughs> okay. And, um, yeah, this was all built, what you see there between 1847 and 1850. And uh, since then, uh, pretty much every vintage uh, is fermenting and aging in the cellar, uh, in the cellars under all those buildings which are right, right below me. Everything is still there in the cellars. 
There's yeah. no 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 other site which you use for uh, for cellaring and uh, for production uh, for winemaking maybe or yeah I mean it's all happening always on site the cellar. back in yeah back in the days we have uh, pressed uh, the presses were in the courtyard which is right behind the um, the main manor right there but yeah. on the picture you see on the right hand side behind that uh, striped building. You yeah. see uh, just a shadow of a, of another structure, which yeah. is a, a new the, or a new grape receival area. Um, so we had additions to to the cellar uh, about yeah, ten years ago as well. Uh, but it's all here. It's all. Um, it's and, all and here. Is it correct? It's hard for me to tell. It's very small, and for the rest as well. If you look at the total in the top and the back, is this the vineyards already, or what do we see yeah. the behind yeah. the buildings? This is uh, the Greinhübel Grand Cru. This is the GG. It's uh, in the back. The, it's right in the back. It starts right behind the winery. It's one of the uh, eight different Grand Cru sites that we that we have and uh, are able to work with. Uh, fantastic site. One of the very few southward facing vineyards. Sandstone and limestone in the soil. A very fine site of um, of Diedesheim. Starting right behind, right behind the in house. In your backyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I, I, when I drove there, I, it's, it's so amazing to see that uh, in the village, around the village, between the villages, everywhere, everywhere are classical old vineyards. Uh, also, when we talk about Reiterfahrt, we will, we will uh, da, uh, point out that location a little bit more. But um, the name is from Winning. Uh, your part, or you were at some, you were, now. I will let you tell what it is, because I would say you were part of a, a group of, of three uh, wineries, but actually there is different parts in the history of Wolling, uh, yeah. right? So to make it to make it very short, uh, the yeah. history starts 1718 with uh, Andreas Jordan, Jordan, who came from Savoy into the Pfalz and um, established the Jordan Estates. Uh, winery in Deidesheim and mm -hmm. uh, in, in 1849 this Jordan estate was split up between three children mm -hmm. and the three today wineries Bassermann, Jordan, Reichsrat von Buhl and von Winning came out of this Jordan division and yeah. back then um, at this division uh, the estate as you see it here was called uh, Deinhardt because um, uh, one of the Jordan daughters was married to a Friedrich Deinhardt, who came mm -hmm. from the um, the sparkling wine um, dynasty in uh, in Koblenz, uh, okay. but yeah, married here into the Pfalz, and they established the winery. The son of the two was the Doctor Deinhardt, a label that uh, we still um, is our second label that we still carry today, and his son-in-law was Leopold von Winning. This is from 1907 until 1918 that he mm -hmm. ran the estate under his name, under the, na under the name von Winning, which was a prime, um, yeah, a really a prime time of the winery. Quality was, um, was very good. The vineyard area was, um, was bigger. Uh, Leopold von Winning was founding member of what today is the VDP. Uh, mm -hmm. Here in the here in the Pfalz, the pre-association to the VDP. Um, and then he died during World War One. Uh, the winery was sold. The new owners um, did not get or did not want or however it was, I'm not sure, um, the rights to, to the name von Winning and went back to Dr. Dynat as a brand name. So then, then, then it came back into the older name? Correct. For a while? For a while. And the rest I make very short. And in 2007, um, um, the winery was purchased by an um, uh, entrepreneur from, from the Pfalz, so a private yep. man from the Pfalz, Achim Niederberger. Bought the estates, 
Uh, with him came Stefan Atman as a general manager. The old name von Winning was revived. The winery is called von Winning again with the, um, yeah, the, the von Winning family gave their name. Yeah. Uh, they are not uh, directly involved, but they, they still exist. Um, they, we have good contact with them. They come um, every year a few times. Um, Their history so, is still connected to the, to, to the winery. Yeah, of no. course. No. And um, uh, Achim Niederberger had al already, when he bought from Winning, he had, or, or Dr. Deinhardt, he had already bought uh, Reichsrat von Buhl and Bassermann Jordan. So he had mm -hmm. reunited the... Jordan estate, so to say, yeah. but um, because there was uh, yeah 160 years almost in between, uh, it's still three. You all had your separate... own identity created. Absolutely, the uh, there is very very few few synergies. We have three uh, independent wineries, but we have the same owner, which is a, a, a family from the area. So the winery is family yeah. owned, but not family run. Yeah. Um, that's the story in short, and we are called from winning again. So. And you yeah. have a restaurant which is named yes. after Leopold for winning. Exactly, it's called Leopold. Which, which is Very... a good restaurant, I can testify. And also some other people said that it was good. So I'm not yeah. the only one telling you that it's good. Yeah, I think we have we have very nice, uh, very nice uh, regional food, but also uh, great steaks. Um, yeah. Fantastic octopus salad is a classic, even though that's probably the, the most not original uh, dish, <laughs> but it's it's fantastic in the summer. Nice, um, you can sit outside by 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 the water. And we do not only have our wines, but uh, a very very nice wine list of uh, German, but also international wine. So, Champagne, uh, Burgundy, Bordeaux, what uh, everything, whatever you whatever you look for. Um, my, you course, that's it. highly exaggerated, but. Uh, you will, um, as, a, as someone that enjoys looking through a wine list, and I'm one mm -hmm. of those people, uh, you will have a good time. I, and you um, have also I a hard time you. because you need to choose at some point which one you're going to drink. Come with a few people. I hope, um, yeah. uh, I sure. hope <laughs> we'll be able to uh, have you all again. Uh, and I can't wait to have the courtyard again full of people. I have very high hopes for the summer. I see people um, from San Francisco and uh, what's it, Panama, I think. I'm not sure uh, the flag, but we have people from all over the world. So that means, uh, oh, it's going to be very busy next summer, probably. Yeah, we're we're here and we're happy. We're happy to you're, have you all. You're, pre you're prepared <laughs> for that. Good. Yeah. So um, then uh, before we go into the uh, the vineyards and, and the wines, first maybe the wines that you produce. We already mentioned almost all of them, I think. Uh, first, I wanted to show the picture of the uh, labels because mm -hmm. um, I've seen a lot of wine labels, but uh, this one, uh, everybody is uh, uh, mesmerized by the beauty of the wine label. It's uh, on one hand, it's simple. On the other hand, it's uh, very royal. Um, how does this? How was this originated? Uh, the, the style of wine label, and you see all the colors. There are different wines for the people that don't know. Yeah. So these are the different wines, some of them. So this this W with the ornament. So this year is pretty much the the the, the original, the first label that the Ryder part has. This yeah. gold, uh, this white background, gold, and then for the GGs, it was in the beginning the other way around: gold background and and off white um, the ornaments and so forth. And yeah. uh, I think it's a uh, you're right. It's um, it's a great combination of, of traditional but also modern aspects. 
um, the label comes from a, this W with the ornaments comes from an alphabet that was written by an art professor in Germany around 1900. So it's okay. pretty much the same time that Leopold von Winning ran the estate, but this is not the old and original von Winning estate. We have that label since, uh, with vintage 2008, mm -hmm. but it's an old piece of art in the end, uh, which makes it absolutely timeless. And um, we are, yeah, we're playing a little bit with, with colors. Uh, Stefan is um, fantastic with, um, with that. And um, we have, you know, we have surely names of vineyards like Greinhübel or Reiterpfad, yeah. which are not easy to say for everyone in the world, but maybe <laughs> does not speak German. And uh, it's, very, it's very good that you can distinguish each vineyard uh, by the color a little bit. So you recognize, ah, that's that's von Winning, okay? And then if you know the wines a little bit, you know, ah, oh, the green one, uh, I have up here a few, also the green yeah. one in the middle is the Greinhübel, next to it, uh, this blue a little bit, the Langenmorgen, the, the black and white and gold, the Kirchenstück. So you you recognize it by the color, and I think it's a, yeah, it's a wonderful, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful label. Some weeks uh, ago, I had uh, uh, Bill Andrade in the show, and uh, Jean was saying uh, something similar. Uh, because uh, I don't know if you watched it or if you know the Bill Andrade wines, but um, Bill Andrade has a very, for their uh, flagship wine, a very classical orange label, which is basically mm -hmm. an orange label, full orange with a crest on it. And um, Bill Andrade is a French name. The family is French, and when they came to Spain not so long ago, 25 years, something like that, people uh, did not did not know what to pronounce the name so what yeah. they wanted to order the wines they always said oh the orange label and they pointed and everybody knew okay this is the wine because at that time especially nobody had an orange label on a wine bottle so yeah. uh, what you said it's sometimes uh, especially also internationally seen maybe uh, the names it's difficult but the colors so oh, you can pick them out exactly and then of course we have the the good thing is that um, the old family name is uh, von Winning. And uh, most people can, if you, it's totally fine to pronounce it English and say yeah. winning. And um, that is, uh, first of all, it's a nice thing. Uh, secondly, it's something that, um, that exactly that uh, people can say and are not afraid of saying. That is also, I think, um, helpful. I totally sure. agree. I totally agree. So tell us a little bit about the size, uh, how many hectares, and you already told us some of the uh, classification, how many uh, vineyards that you have, and which wines that you uh, use. You have a lot, but just yeah. an overview of that. So I think the um, most important, the core of it, um, are those uh, historic vineyards. Mm -hmm. uh, it's six different Erste Lage wines, Premier Cruise in, in Deidesheim, uh, that is the uh, the Paradise Garden, Paradise Garden, up on no. the slope, light sandy soil. By the way, here uh, is the, this is the label of it. This it's also one of my Garden. favorite labels. Yeah, it's a, it's a very nice, also a very elegant and fine wine because it's up on the slope, uh, cooler, light soil, sandstone, only a tiny bit of limestone, um, but it's a sandstone soil in my opinion. Um, on the foot of it and southward facing the Leinhöhle, uh, which is more voluptuous uh, due to the southward um, location um, denser. There's the Hergotsacker in Deidesheim, uh, the Moishöhle, um, a narrow valley. So they're all very close uh, to each other. Yeah. Uh, then we have the further south, the Ruppertsberger Reiterpfad. So Reiterpfad is the vineyard, Ruppertsberg, the next village south. And then the Ölberg of Königsbach, another village south. Um, 
we have now um, a few vineyards also in, more in Neustadt, of which we will see some uh, maybe individually um, bottled and labeled in, in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, but six different Premier Cru's and then eight different GG's, eight different Grand Cru's, um, of which four are in Deidesheim uh, and four are in Forst. We talked about that village. The, uh, the ones in Deidesheim are Kalkofen, Langenmorgen, Greinhübel and Kieselberg. Mm -hmm. And the four ones in Forst are uh, Ungeheuer, uh, Pechstein, Jesuitengarten and Kirchenstück, which are big names. And um, yeah. since centuries, they are big, big, um, big names. Uh, there was a time, I think, um, maybe you know it, you surely know it, Niels, um, that uh, the German wines once were the most expensive and sought after wines in the world. And uh, the Ungeheuer of Forst, for example, at that time, we're talking about the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century. Uh, the Ungeheuer of Forst, for example, was poured at the opening ceremony of the Suez Canal in Egypt in 1869. So no um, champagne? <laughs> surely also champagne. Yeah, but, um, but this is what what is the story that is, uh, some people find it maybe hard to believe right now, but it's true. Huh? The first person yeah. who told me this, by the way, about uh, uh, the, the the big names of Rieslings, uh, in Germ mm -hmm. German Rieslings in the world, was uh, Reinhardt from Heimann Lewenstein. And, uh, um, a good friend he, of mine. He has good stories about that. And he showed me also this whole price list. Yeah, he has the, the short price list where you see this, the, the cost of a bottle compared to Burgundian wines, for instance, that were yeah. at that moment not so good or well-known or expensive. They were yeah. just average, I would say. Uh, you know, what happened uh, to World Wars, mostly the second, and then stuff yeah. um, like, um, yeah, there are many, many... Um, and choices also in which that... grapes you uh, uh, produce, because sometimes yeah. also the, the choices of the, uh, the different grape varieties and styles of wine didn't really help. In the Mosul, for instance, uh, going all in the sweet direction, it was mm -hmm. maybe too long. Uh, they, yeah. they banked too long on that. They should have maybe went e earlier to a dry, more dry style of Riesling. But the... the um... Yeah, the history is, of course, is still here. And today, um, they they are still among the finest vineyards um, yeah, for you can find. Uh, and for us, the tradition, the history is mainly dry wine. So when you yeah. want to um, um, explain our style in a, in a sentence, I would say we are making dry, salty, fine and elegant terroir wines because it's, I think, a, a duty. Uh, to express that historic, uh, the characteristics of those historic different vineyards. And mm -hmm. this is a variety that reflects that very well, the place where it grows. So they are dramatically different. Um, and uh, yeah, we work very traditionally to do that. Um, uh, close to nature in the vineyards and then uh, hands-off approach in the cellar where we ferment our wines in oak barrels of various sizes. Mm -hmm. uh, the Reiter Fazio, for example, um, the Premier Cruise, uh, 2,400, 1,200 and 500 liter bar barrels for fermentation and aging, full lease contact for a year before bottling with the GGs, with the Grand Cruise even longer and smaller barrels, 500 liter barrels and almost one and a half years on the lease before bottling. Mm -hmm. um, so we have wines, I said it already, complex and salty, good mouth, great structure, grapes own phenolic compounds with the tannins of the oak that 
gives um, and I'm not I'm talking about new oak, especially not with the premier yeah. crews with the GGs. Sometimes there is one barrel or two which is um, first passage, but very rather roasted than toasted, right? Amber yeah. for a long time not not heavy toasting. We're not aiming for oak driven wines, but um, natural fermentation that works well in the barrels, and then so you need to oxygen. Leaves, exactly yeah. lease contact, which gives mouthfeel and prevents the wine from oxidization and gives it great aging potential. And then structure, which I think is very very important to together with the acidity underline the the, the salinity, the, the umami, right? Yeah. Of the of the different vineyard sites, and um, so it's. A, I, I a dare to say, I dare to say, those wines are a meal on its own because there's so much in it that uh, I wouldn't say that you don't have to eat for a whole day, but it's just that on its own, they're really fulfilling. Uh, and it's not it's just true. something you wash through your mouth. It's really something which, that stays with you. Which I think every great wine does. Uh, every yeah. great wine is, uh, uh, is great on its own because yeah. it's a great <laughs> wine, but uh, it's also a fantastic partner to foods. Um, if you don't freak out on the foods, if it's uh, um, even here with those with those things, with those complex, salty, dense things, which are still fruity and fresh and fine, um, from the classics that you think about, like fish or poultry, to yep. a, to a steak, yeah, to a grilled steak with a bit of sea salt, olive oil, uh, grilled very vegetables. simple, simple Fantastic. but effective. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. There's many, many options. <laughs> so you're, you're in a, a, a very good company with all those Premier Cruise, Grand Cruise. Uh, it's unbelievable and lucky for you. I think you have a feeling that you're sometimes in the play garden all the time with all the best stuff around because the number of these these, these great vineyards is, is uh, tremendous. But And then next to that, you also uh, not just make the Rieslings, but we talked about it before, also some other uh, wines next to Riesling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe so Pinot Blanc, yeah, we talked about that already. Then we have uh, Pinot Blanc, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir mostly. Yeah? And, and also uh, the Pinot Blanc is no Weissburgunder. You have a Weissburgunder as well. Yeah, but um, the Pinot Blanc, yeah, we label it as Weissburgunder. Okay. Weissburgunder, yeah, yeah. It has Weissburgunder on the label. Um, it's um, it's a little bit more in the valley towards. Um, um, yeah, on the foot of at the foot of the Hart Mountains, on the slopes, we have historically Riesling, and um, also we have planted some Sauvignon Blanc there in recent years because mm-hmm. also that benefits very much from the um, nice and warm days, but cool nights and after and afternoons and nights. Um, where in as in the valley uh, where you don't have the afternoon shadow and the soils are deeper and more loamy as well because of erosion. Um, Rieslings and also Sauvignon Blanc becomes a little bit heavier often, while Pinot varieties remain very fine and and elegant. Um, So also also really important for us and very, very interesting in the future because we have planted some some Chardonnay in uh, some really cool vineyard sites up on the slope. so this is uh, this is going so to be exciting next year. So what's the history of history of those sites? Is this new new purchased sites with old vineyards, or is this a, a reverse vineyard sites that you already had? Or yeah, yeah, it's vineyard sites that we already had. Yeah. Um, there was, a, for example, in in the Paradis Garden, uh, a part where there was an, a very old um, uh, Pinot Blanc site, which we have replaced with with uh, Chardonnay now. Mm-hmm. And um, then we have planted um, a bit of Chardonnay in the Kalkofen, which is the Riesling okay. BG site. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be super exciting. 
uh, let's give it another, let's say, five to ten years, and um, I'm, I'm really stuff excited. To come. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited about that. That's cool. I mean, yeah. uh, yesterday I was in the uh, live tasting with Tilo Wittmann and uh, <laughs> I asked the question, okay, when is going to come the next GG? Because, okay, they also have four at the moment and always looking for a fifth one. And it's always nice, interesting to hear what the new ideas have that you guys have because every winemaker at the moment realizes himself that, uh, well, things are changing quite rapidly. I mean, a couple of years ago, people said, okay, climate change, et cetera, et cetera. And also the way you, uh, which you produce wines, but also the preference of consumers in the market. Um, but I think it's going quicker than uh, most people thought five years or 10 years ago. I don't know what your opinion is on that, but. Well, I think there's always change. There's always trends mm -hmm. that, that come and go and change and, um, um yeah it's it's also important to stay to stay true to your um, philosophy and identity yeah. of course and the terroir that you have yeah. and part of the terroir is obviously the the climatical conditions and they are they are changing it's getting or it has gotten warmer in the past years without a shadow of a doubt Mm -hmm. but not to a degree that I would say the game is changed. And yeah. I don't think that the game will change in our lifetime. I don't think that we will see uh, Riesling being replaced by Nebbiolo or Sangiovese no. in, in the fouls. I don't see that. What you see is that um, other varieties find better and better conditions, that red wines um, are fantastic and fully ripe every year, um, mm -hmm. where in the 50, let's go 40 years back, uh, or even 35, 40 years back, there were years when winemakers struggled to get their grapes ripe. Um, and um, Talking about grapes. Some yeah. of your grapes, huh? Yeah, fantastic. Nice picture. Yeah. Um, it's, um, uh, this you don't have anymore. I mean, yeah. they, every vintage is, um, is, is... We're not struggling with not getting grapes ripe, with having green and grassy and unripe that, vintages. That was in the yeah. past always the big thing. That was what uh, winemakers struggled with. Outstanding years you always had. And then, um, and then red wine was uh, uh, existent, but more a niche. And especially um, varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon or Merlot, which you could always find here. But it took extraordinary years to really get them fully ripe and, um, and, uh, and, and, and great. Uh, now, it's not a problem at all. And still... It's, this is a world-class Riesling area and maybe better than it ever was because of the consistency and the great vintages and when, um, that we had in a row. And when you look at uh, the 2019 Reiterpfad, complex yep. dry Riesling, we have 12% by volume of alcohol on the label. Mm -hmm. um, this, is, um, this is not much. Yeah, this, no. this, this shows that, uh, we are, uh, that we have still really elegant and fine wines with a lot of tension and not too much it's still moderate alcohol and this is a dry and complex wine yeah. uh, so not much residual sugar there um, which would explain a low alcohol no it's um, it's not the case it's uh, physiological ripeness at a point where the sugar ripeness is not through the roof and so i'm not concerned um, about um, at all about next years i'm rather excited to see new mm -hmm. possibilities but still 
uh, keep our uh, yeah our core identity, which is those outstanding Riesling uh, vineyard sites. But fantastic. Um, it's it's interesting come. because without asking the question, I see uh, uh, family Lancon in the in the audience as well from last week. Uh, Florent, um, well, he, he asked me the question to pass me you the question about climate change. What measurements are you taking, and 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 how do you see this effect? Mm -hmm. So we already answered this question, but maybe yeah. about measurements, are you? Yeah, are there exactly. certain things that you do? Yeah, for example. Um, you can do a lot with, with canopy management and mm -hmm. uh, I mean, for example, we have not used any any, any synthetic fertilizers in, um, in, in way more than 10 years. Uh, there is a lot of things that uh, you can do to, um, yeah, to the, the, the canopy management, I think, is, uh, is, uh, is important. Uh, not having and the time too of picking, much... uh, grape picking, is that changing a lot or? Yeah, it's earlier. It's earlier. We pick earlier at the same. Um, so, for example, back, go back 30 years and um, harvest started maybe late September, yep. early October. And Riesling, Riesling was picked in October and into November. Today, yep. we start picking in the end of August almost every yep. year. Uh, or the very beginning of September, but it's rather the end of August, not with Riesling, but with Sauvignon Blanc, with uh, Pinot Noir, ours, the first varieties. And we have often finished the full harvest. Um, we have already finished it by the end of September, yeah. uh, or we go into October, but um, it's significantly earlier. Um, yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to pick at the, um, at the, you have to find the right moments, and uh, you have a lot. Oh yeah, and, and when the moment is there, you, you just you, there's no sense of waiting. Then you go and you pick them quick because that's exactly. the ultimate moment. Then, okay, yeah. let's uh, talk a little bit about tasting because exactly. uh, well, we also have to uh, think about the bottle that yeah. we have here. Yes. So that was a little bit about this specific vineyard. I already posted something, and this I took from the website. At all honesty, so um, I saw there is a Mediterranean sort of mediterranean climate there because uh, it's yeah. a micro microclimate uh, uh, i say but tell us a little bit about first the site and then about what we can find in the in this reasoning yeah uh, so the right up part like i said Rupertsberg, one village south of time it goes over a little ridge and then you're uh, you're right there uh, it's on the foot of the hard mountain so it's um, a little bit warmer than for example the paradisgarten which is up on the slope uh, it's sandstone with um, a little bit of limestone here and there, but I consider this a, a sandstone-driven site. But there is, mm -hmm. in the Reiterfahrt, there are smaller parcels which are, for example, GG uh, classified, like um, um, Achtmorgen, for example, is uh, and in Achtmorgen is a, is a parcel within the Reiterfahrt, which is uh, where we have uh, Pinot Noir, which is yep. um, uh, going to... So we'll have a GG Pinot Noir, which is... This is the name, this is going to be also the name there? Reiterpfad, Reiterpfad an den Achtmorgen. Achtmorgen, okay. Morgen is a, is a measurement, old measurement of land. Mm -hmm. uh, acht is eight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very nice site on the foot of the hard mountain. Sand and the topsoil is sand, huh? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, that gives it, I think... Um, uh, a kind of lushness and and um, exoticness is said too much. It's uh, there is I talked about stone fruits, about peaches and apricot yeah. before. 
I think you have that very much as a general profile, like um, aroma profile, like mm -hmm. a, like a peach that is very close to the to the stone, you know, to the core in the middle. Mm -hmm. where there's something salty to it. Uh, it's um, you don't as soon as you know that this is fermented in barrels, it becomes crystal clear. But it's definitely not barrel. Uh, or oak dominated no, at all, but yeah, you feel not, not, not oak flavored. You feel a, a, a certain warm um, richness to it on the nose already, which mm -hmm. uh, which comes from there and benefits uh, or contributes to the to the aroma profile. Mm. Yeah, and then on the palate, you have that same. It's um, it's it's lush. It's complex. There's a lot going on, but then there is the clear riesling acidity, which carries it very long. A lot of tension, good structure. It's a really mouth-watering, uh, mouth-watering um, kind of wine, which in concentration and complexity, I think, is one of the premier crus, one of the erste Lager wines, which come close to the GGs, to the Große Gewächshaus. As I said, it, there are some parcels within Reiterpfad which are GG classified. classified. And uh, it is an excellent erste Lager wine. So we're talking um, about the baby. It's always uh, nice to say some people disagree totally on that. A baby or a mini Gigi, sort of less. Well, it's um, I would call it a very very strong premier cru. That's even better, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, so, and this is 2019. Tell us a little yes. bit about this vintage, sir. Yeah, um, a dry and warm year, like uh, the last years were. Um, it's. Um, Actually, after eighteen and um, after eighteen, which was very dry and very warm, nineteen was the second where you could feel. So we have excellent concentration, excellent quality because the yield, the quality was low in two thousand nineteen. It's mm -hmm. um, so a rather, rather switch. Yeah, I would say that nineteen has uh, even more uh, lushness than the eighteen had. It's maybe a bit more concentrated. And um, um, still has so much tension. Wine-wise, I think it's a great. Uh, the quality-wise, it's a fantastic vintage, um, which was also or is also very very highly rated. Um, but um, it's it's well deserved. I think 2019 is a very good vintage. Um, uh, we didn't have uh, the grapes had stress, positive stress, of course. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it was so dry that. Um, their very young vines had problems. You had to give them give them more, but it's always the case with with young vineyards um, and where the soils are super sandy and water is the drainage yeah. is very strong. Um, some struggles and that you see in low yields, but um, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic vintage for us, and we have very little vineyards where we have um, water supply problems. Okay, so and great the name, and the, and the name Reiterpfad, because we talked yeah. about it a little bit, but where does it come from for the people that don't know? Reiter is, is, a, is a rider, like a horse rider, and mm -hmm. Pfad is path. So it's rider's path in the end, and it's said that um, the when the Romans were here, they moved by a path very closely with a cavalry, and uh, apparently this is where this old vineyard name is coming from. All, all those vineyard names here have... Um, uh, have old um, meanings. By the way, um, 
are we cut off at some time? Uh, I, no, is it, uh, I don't think so. Sometimes they used to do a maximum for one hour, so I think yeah, I, 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 okay. I went over time already. I, I became times, nervous. So. I became nervous. No, uh, don't. Now. We started <laughs> later, so it's okay. We have some more time. Exactly. Here. Yeah, good. So we're gonna we're gonna go into the questions shortly. So for all the people, uh, if you have questions, you can start dropping them in the chat or in the question mark box, um, and then we get. I somehow them, don't uh, see the chat, by the way. I. Just don't see the, the chat. Uh, it's the, sometimes the, difficult to see. So I always uh, recommend people to use this uh, question mark and then they can enter a, a question there and it comes mm -hmm. in my uh, inbox, I would say. So yeah, I, I still I, I see frozen, to... frozen down there where usually the chat is. I still see uh, where I uh, applied to enter the live tasting. So somehow that froze there and um, uh i don't i don't see the chat so you have oh, to i can see i can see I can, I can see that cynthia is uh, cheers uh, cheersing us so at least some people are still watching i can tell you <laughs> yeah. Excellent. but uh for the people that want they can uh, they can drop a question so we'll, we will come to that uh in the at the end in a couple of minutes but um, um what is also nice is that you have two uh very special uh riesling wines and uh, you know which ones I'm talking about. Yes, because, I uh, think I think so. You you treated me uh, when, when I was there on uh, on both of them. So tell us a little bit about those. How how did they? Yeah. Which are they? And how did they get created? And what's so special about mm -hmm. them? There are two. Uh, first, we had the Mama Riesling, and then mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later, with 2000, vintage 2017, came also the Ozietra Riesling. Uh, Mama was the, the the first one. It's um, a a selection of grapes from a parcel within the famous Ungeheuer vineyard or forest, elevated high, a lot of limestone there. Um, uh, being quite high, cooler side or cooler part of the of the Ungeheuer, and we, um, yeah, we um, picked that a bit later and uh, had that um, this vintage fifteen in in a few new barrels because these were the last barrels which were free, available, and, um, <laughs> available exactly, and. Uh, they were they developed so fantastically well that we decided to give it more time in the end two years on the lease and uh, it was a not prototype riesling but uh, an outstanding white wine which in the end was of course clearly riesling and um so it's really it's it's super complex this people there are people that say we were making burgundian wines um well we ferment in barrels we with a um, german grape yeah, exactly. We want to expre express terroir and Burgundy is a fantastic uh, area. So thank you There's very no much. There's no shame in people um, saying that to you. That no, you do, uh... no. Um, but um, I think Mama is definitely a wine where, uh, which if poured blindly can catch people on the wrong foot, where in the end they, they sort of, oh, wow, is that a super complex and racy Chardonnay or... Uh, in the end, it has to be reasoning, but it freaks people out. It, it's a, it's an outstanding. <laughs> it gets <wine>. in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it doesn't go. It it stays on your palate as well. And the Ozietra was then the second one, which is uh, the same concept, but a selection from the uh, outstanding Pechstein um, vineyard, which is my favorite of them all. Highest amount of um, volcanic basalts, also limestone and sandstone, and um, is where the Mama is lush and. Um, a bit more, a bit more voluptuous. The the, the Ozietra is 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 more racy and um, uh, full of tension. Both are um, outstanding, uh, very rare um, Rieslings. That if you come across them, um, they are 
I mean, admittedly, they are our most rare and most expensive wines, but they are worth tasting it when you come. But there are not made that many of them as well. So. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's sometimes two produce? barrels. Yeah, two sometimes barrels. two barrels is a thousand liters. Sometimes three barrels, then it's uh, fifteen hundred liters. Yeah. So there's not so much of that. Yeah, already somebody said, uh, and I know she's a fan, I think she, she bought both or had both, uh, that, that the Rieslings are hard to come by in, uh, outside of Germany. Well, most of them stay in Germany, but there are some exported, obviously. Can you tell us a yes, little bit about yeah. availability? Also, not just about these two really special wines, but uh, just in general also? Um, uh, the, the, the exports now we're talking about. Yeah, so which yes. countries, yes. which countries yes. are you exporting yeah. in, and what um, wines do you typically export there? Yeah, it's um, more than more than thirty, uh, more than thirty countries, and we're well distributed in, in, in Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. Scandinavia is very strong, but uh, pretty much uh, uh, pretty much everywhere we're uh, we're available uh, in in Holland uh, with the Vinites, for example, yeah. uh, as an example. Uh, or Skernik wines in um, uh, in in America. Um, so we have a lot great of Scandinavian people buy your wines as well, huh? Yeah, yeah, but this is a, a function of um, so. Yeah, Scandinavians love Riesling. I love, yeah. uh, and it fits the cuisine very well. It's part. It fits the culture well. Uh, so I think German wine in general is is uh, successful in in Scandinavia and in Norway most of all. Uh, we were a lot of things uh, go on holiday to Italy with the car, especially so they can drive through Germany and then on the back, yeah. on the way back, uh, fill it up with uh, Riesling. So you find a fantastic list of, um, so you find a list of, of our uh, importers and partners on our website. We have uh, okay. like from Winning International and uh, if you are somewhere and want to um, uh, know where you can find our wines, get in touch. The, the contact information is on our website. Um, you can find you can out if there's and, somebody... Yeah, shoot an email to the importer and they will tell you where you can where you can buy the wine. Perfect. Um, so, question already. I North sell America, your... South America. Yeah. The question is: uh, I sell your Riesling, Winwin, Langemorgen, uh, GG, and the Pinot Royal. What dishes would you recommend with it? So, it's three different wines, but mm. all two Rieslings and one Pinot Royal. So, well, all of those wines are super versatile. And if I um, would name, uh, I mean, four wines, and I mentioned it already. If it was one dish, I could choose. It would be a great steak. It yeah. would be a fantastic ribeye steak. I always say that people that uh, heard me do this, I always speak about ribeye steaks. Every time when I'm hungry, uh, this comes up. Um, sea salt, olive oil, um, nice grilled vegetables. A lot of people oil. think you're crazy when you're saying that with a uh, white wine, but it works well with the salinity as well. Uh, try it, acidity. try it, and yeah. try it, and you will thank me. I think you will never if order you, if a you like steak, of course. You will never order a Malbec with your steak anymore. Just Riesling oh, or I something. Have, I have not. Uh, I would never say that. I no, no, love great red wine too. <laughs> but uh, if if there is a question of um, those three white wines yeah. and the Pinot Noir, I definitely opt for the steak to go with everything. Very versatile. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So and then uh, aging potential, uh, especially for Marmar 2017. So these wines yeah, yeah. for two years they already been on the uh, on the oak, but then of course this well decades if you want probably, but yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I always think this is very much a matter of taste. Yeah. Um, um, there is nothing wrong in having um, a wine when it's young if you like that. Um, decant it, use a big glass and make it, uh, give it the, the air to, to, to open up properly. 
And if you like young wines, then absolutely drink it. <coughs> but it has truly the, the potential to age for 15 plus years. But this is really, really, really much a matter of taste. I can speak about yeah. myself. I like wines in their fruit phase in the beginning, first three, four years. Decanter, making it open up or give the time. Also, when you have opened the bottle of Reiterpfad now and uh, drank a glass, you don't, you don't want to finish the bottle. Put the cork back in um, into the fridge, and uh, easily a week this wine will develop uh, positively. Uh, and this will I, I can tell you it will be close to two weeks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, it will also shows you a little bit the aging potential of a wine. Um, I personally again like wines after eight to ten years. Uh, in another in another fruit, sometimes it um, starts a bit earlier after six seven years, but usually eight to ten years after is another opening that I personally really like. Um, with some wines the there is this in between window what is not really uh, giving you one or either or the other so uh, I don't know if that's uh, something that applies to, to the wines that you have as well you know you know, it's uh, between those two fruit phases the wines close uh, down a little bit and become maybe a little bit herbal um, in a, but not green of course but nope. uh, a little bit uh, herbal salty uh, it's also nice, and there are people that love it. So in the end, it's um, it is very. You just need to find out what is your preference, exactly. and then so, relate back to the to the phases of the wine, and then pick the. I think the writer part, um, which um, is uh, here in the winery, uh, it's um, sixteen euro fifty, yeah, which is I think not much for that much yeah. wine. And yeah. this is something where you can uh, say, "Come on, I take twelve bottles." And yeah. open uh, open one uh, every year or even nice every two years. Then you know, of course, every wine is different, but still you get an if you not uh, if you haven't done it already. But uh, then you know um, more or less in which drinking window you prefer the wine the most, and that, that yeah. gives you an idea where your window is. That's but a good tip. There's nothing wrong at having it young. Nothing wrong with it. No, I agree totally. It's your wine. So <laughs> that's absolutely true. So um, I think oysters and riesling are a good match as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's super. It's, well. it's very versatile. But uh, for oysters, I would take our Sauvignon Blanc too. Stainless steel fermented, clear, crisp, fresh, fruit driven, exotic, juicy. This is killing it with oysters. Very good. So um, next week we have a guest um, because I think now I answered the questions that are in the chat. So maybe some people want to ask something, they can still do it. But I will go to a guest for next week. Um, uh, pardon. And Pardon is a sommelier from South Africa and uh, he worked uh, with, uh, I think, all the biggest or well-known wineries on, on, on the menus, on the cards, the menu, the wine cards that he worked uh, with in the restaurants. Uh, South Africa, how is this? Uh, there's a lot of things going on there as well. Uh, you have a question for him as well, which we want to ask for next week? I do. I do. Um, actually, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a nice question to ask. Actually, mm -hmm. I don't like to speak about... Uh, COVID-19, but especially as we have a, a person from South Africa, uh, I have heard that uh, there has been an alcohol ban yeah. in South Africa. And I would like to ask um, uh, him how this affects or affected the, the whole wine scene, of course, from yeah. wineries to, um, to, to restaurants. I mean, restaurants are closed. Everyone involved well, in this chain. 
Yeah, but a alcohol, alcohol ban where you as a private person cannot buy wine from a winery, this we didn't have here. And this is uh, who? It gives me the shivers. Yeah. Uh, so my question is how, how hard was that? How, how, does, how, does, how do people feel? How does he feel? Yeah, we're going to ask him because I know uh, he uh, has a lot of experience hearing this from different winemakers, but uh, there is obviously, uh, this is a problem that affects the whole country there very heavily. And um, to be honest, I think uh, um, uh, next week we're going to talk about South Africa as a whole. So we're not talking about the winery uh, in particular here. And mm -hmm. we'll go really in depth. But if you look at trends and if you look at uh, uh, how the effect is, the effect goes really wide. It's not, like you said, it's not just winemakers. It's the restaurants. Exactly. It's the people working uh, in the distribution. There's a lot of people mm -hmm. employed also in the in the wine industry and affecting uh, businesses around it. So... Yeah, that's why I to ask about the about the scene and uh, South Africa, in my opinion, is a is a wine country as well. So mm -hmm. it's um it's like an alcohol ban uh, is somehow um, really disrupting, really the impacting, whole yeah, yeah, disrupting the culture as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. let's uh, yeah. see what uh, Pardon has to say about that. Uh, I don't so sorry, Pardon. Anyone... Sorry, Pardon for the. Uh, yeah, the, the the topic could be nicer for sure for this question, but this uh, is like uh, really, it's really. I think it's good that we're bringing it up because I also want to show and hear, uh, tell the people uh, what it is and what the effect is. Because uh, I do hope that people also try the wines always after the show and in the show. I know some people were buying a wine of your winery for this occasion, and I also hope for next week, obviously, that that will be the same. That people think, okay, maybe I will try for this time a South African wine, even if I normally don't drink it, or after the show, because so we can help a little bit by drinking some wine and uh, there is a lot of been uh, of it being produced and it still needs to go somewhere at some point so in africa they're not selling it at the, at the moment that's right yeah. Yeah. i will tune in if i if i can i will very definitely good. tune in <laughs> very good and otherwise uh, i sent you the link and uh, you can see the answer for the question yeah of course cool Perfect. So Perfect. Um, I don't see any other questions. So I think uh, I'm going to thank you very much because we talked about a lot of interesting topics. Um, I uh, hope to uh, see you again, uh, maybe in the summer. But uh, let's uh, hope that uh, COVID uh, really turns around quickly. And um, yeah, like I said, thank you very much for your time and uh, have a good weekend as well. Thank you very much for having me and likewise i hope to see you again Niels, and everyone else uh, can't wait to have you back here okay thank you all, all right yes. you're welcome have a good weekend bye-bye you too bye-bye so everybody and uh, like we said next week we're going to talk about south africa um we're going to have a a, a very good sommelier uh, who lives in Holland, by the way, at the moment, but he uh, will be telling us all about South Africa, uh, the regions, the wineries, the grapes, etc., etc. So um, prepare your questions. Uh, you can send them to us in the DM or uh, as a comment on the posts. And I hope to see you all back. And uh, well, thank you for the positive comments. And uh, please share uh, afterwards as well if you've been watching. And uh, we hope uh, you have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit us on Instagram at Dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice and check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website.